guys, right now, we're, we're, uh, I'm so excited to preach today on Brilliant Disciple Makers. And um, I, I shared a message this morning, and I really encourage you, listen to Pastor Teresa's last week, listen to mine. I'm going to be a bit more concise tonight because I really want to uh, pray and have an encounter with God together. But I love this, that our vision is transform lives. Can we give it up and honor Michael? Oh my gosh, I was just crying, like tearing up. Michael, you are our vision to see lives transformed. And uh, I want to be honest with you from the start. What I'm, I'm sharing here tonight is not something that I'm perfect in. It's something that I am trying to grow in. And my heart is I'm always trying to be a great disciple maker. I'm always trying to grow in my relationship with Jesus. And I just wanted to be honest up front and say a lot of what I'm sharing today, I'm talking to myself. But I want to ask, would you commit to try to grow with me as we become brilliant disciples? makers. And that is our theme for 2022. We heard from God at the start of the year, brilliant disciple makers. And there's three areas uh, that a brilliant disciple maker is. Number one, a brilliant disciple maker wins souls. That's what we're talking about here tonight. Number two, a brilliant disciple maker comes alongside others and takes others on the journey. And a brilliant disciple maker raises leaders. But right now, let's lean into wins souls and learn about this from the Word of God. But I'd love to ask you here tonight, have, have you ever gone to share about Jesus with someone and felt a little bit nervous or intimidated? Am I the only one? Or yeah, you can, okay. Yeah, if not, wow, you are amazing. And uh, feel free to just come preach. It's okay. Like, I don't know if I'm allowed to, but come, no. But I, I wanted to share, I remember on my 18th birthday, um, and now that I'm middle-aged, it's getting harder and harder to remember that. But anyway, on my 18th birthday, it happened to fall on a Sunday. And who knows on your 18th, like, you know, I'm finally allowed to drink illegally. And uh, normally you go out and have a beer and, and for your birthday. And I had a mate who's like, what do you want to do tonight? Are we going to go have a beer and celebrate? And I really felt God say, I want you to go to church tonight. I was like, what? Come on, God, it's my 18th birthday. Like, I'm committed to church. But I, anyway, and I just felt the Lord say, go to church. And I didn't know why, but it was such a strong impression. And it was almost like I felt this beautiful moment. It was like a statement. I, in, as I enter my adult life, Lord, I want to put you first. And I'm going all in for you, uh, my King Jesus. And so I went to church. It was, it was an all right night. I don't know why God asked me to go. I can't remember who was preaching. Uh, and I'm just joking. But all I remember is afterwards, I was like, all right, well, let's, you know, instead of going having a beer, let's go to the skate park. And I used to pretend I was good at skating because I was the youth pastor. But uh, I, I just remember we were skating. And all of a sudden, I think the Lord opened my eyes to why he was asking me to be in and go to church that night. Uh, me and my friend were skating. We met this young man, probably the, about 15 years of age, and he was very um, depressed and, and, and intoxicated with something. I think he was, had gone out drinking. He'd lost all his friends. He didn't really know where he was. He was trying to get home. He had no credit on his phone to call his mum to come pick him up. And, and you know, what we're talking about here is uh, when we get those nudges to talk to people about Jesus or, or letting the Holy Spirit speak to us. And I just felt this nudge to go, go, go talk to that young man and be kind to him. And I didn't want to. It was my birthday. I was having fun with my friend, but I just couldn't get out of that nudge from the Holy Spirit. And so I went over 
and I was just a normal person. And that's what I want to talk a lot about tonight is when we talk about winning souls, we're not talking about going to Malulaba and, and getting your Bible and yelling at people to come to faith, right? That's not what we're talking about. It's not how we do things here. What we're talking about is actually just being a normal Christian. Who would have thought? A normal Christian. And so I just went up and I said, hey, mate, I can tell you're distressed. Um, my name's Dan. How, can I help you tonight, mate? And he was crying. He was about 15 years old. And, and he just started to pour out to my, his heart to me. And he'd been drinking all night. And as I said, so I just, mate, how can I help you? Like, do you need food? And, and I literally, I put him in my car. I offered him a lift home with a friend. So it was child safe. And, uh, and, I, and I drove him to his house. And, I, and we went via Macca's. I just shouted him a meal. And I said, mate, can I grab your number? I don't know if you know this, but I just want you to know Jesus loves you. I actually am a, a leader at a youth ministry. I want to invite you to come along this Friday. And so this young man... Uh, he, 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 I got his number, I invited him to, to youth, and he came that Friday. And I'll never forget it. I was actually preaching that night, and I, I gave the older call, and he's put his hand up uh, to accept Jesus as his Lord. Isn't that amazing? <clears throat> and I often wonder, in moments like that, what would have happened if I wasn't obedient to the Holy Spirit? See, God would have still sent someone along his path. If we say no, he will choose somebody else. But I often wonder that. And, on the, and I, I'm learning more and more, and this is a key thought here tonight, is that often a move of God happens on the other side of our obedience and our yes. And that night I was willing to miss out. I was willing to miss out on celebrating for my birthday. I was willing to be a bit bold and interruptible. And I think it's in that willingness that God chose me and said, okay, I'll use you tonight for this young man that's on my heart. Jesus wants to use you and use me to bring people to Christ. The Great Commission, which we learn about this morning, is for all believers. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. That's not for pastors. It's not for evangelists. It's for all of us. And I want to encourage us that God's will is that none shall perish. None shall perish. But He needs people to be His representative to tell them about Christ. And something powerful was happening to me in that season of my life. See, I was 18 years of old. Six months earlier, Jesus had become my Savior. But there is another moment that happens in our walk with God. We have an original moment where we, we, we enter a relationship with Him as our Savior. But what God was doing in my heart at that time was He was becoming my Lord. And that is a di- there is a difference between Jesus as my Savior and Jesus as my Lord. And I have learned uh, through following Christ that to, to be a disciple of Jesus, a servant of Jesus, a soldier, it, it, it requires you and I to follow Christ. It requires Him not just to be our Savior, which is a starting place, but for Him to become our Lord. It says this in Matthew 16, 24. I believe the verse is coming up. Then Jesus said to His disciples, if anyone wishes to come after me. He must deny himself, pick up his cross and follow me. Jesus as Savior is all about what he has done and is doing for us. But Jesus as Lord is what we can do for him. As Savior, he dies for us. As Lord, we die for him. And what does that look like? And I just, this is my main 
passage of Scripture here today. I want to look at the, the story of the, the feeding of the 5,000. And if you're not familiar with that story, Jesus was preaching that day to about 5,000 men, which means around 12 to 15,000 people, including women and children. And, and Jesus had been teaching all day long. And all of a sudden, they're in the middle of nowhere. There's no KFC in wherever they are in Galilee. There's no, you know, there's no McDonald's down the road. And everyone's starting to get hungry. And they didn't have Uber Eats, believe it or not, all you Gen Zers. What the heck is that? And, and he says to his disciples, hey, I want you to feed them. And they're looking at each other like, what the heck? Has, has Jesus lost his marbles? Like, what are you talking about? How can I feed them? And then we're going to read together John 6, 9 to 11. They said to Jesus, here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? And Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place and they sat down. Then Jesus took the loaves and gave thanks and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. And he did the same with the fish. See, Jesus said to this young man, can you give me your five loaves of bread and your two pieces of fish? And that boy had a choice in that moment, didn't he? Am I going to be obedient and say yes to Jesus? Or am I going to withhold and hold back? And I often think about this. I go, what, what was so important about giving all of it to Jesus? Like, wouldn't it have been just as powerful a miracle if Jesus said, give me one of your loaves of fish and one of your pieces of bread? And one day I was, as I was pondering this, it hit me that Jesus requires everything. We can't be half in and half out. We, we can't have him as the Lord of some areas of our life, but not others. Jesus said to this young man, give me everything that is in your hand right now. And I love this story because for us, what does that look like? It looks like making Jesus the Lord of our life. It looks like us giving everything to him and saying, Lord, here I am. I deny myself and I'm following you. I'm making a decision to fear you, God, above fearing people. And this is that thought that a move of God often happens on the other side of obedience. This young man gives everything he had in his hands to Jesus. And Jesus took what the young man gave him in obedience, multiplied it, and his life then impacted thousands of people that day. And I want to encourage us here tonight, when it comes to being a soul winner, when you and I go all in for Jesus, He will take what we give Him. He will take our life and He will use us to see so many people come to Christ. If you are willing to be used by God, God is willing to use you. So I'm going to go through here today and then we're going to have an encounter with God. I'm so expectant for that moment. And I know he, he, I can just feel his heart wanting to meet with you here today. But I want to go through some practical thoughts uh, and my concise version of what does it mean and how can I be a soul winner? And so I'm right now, I'm first, um, just get the screen to come up behind me. And the first thought here tonight is you and I are called to be soul winners. How do we do that? We need to first start with prayer. Everyone say prayer. We need to pray for God to use us. If you want God to use you, my first thought is pray. God does nothing except through believing prayer. 
John Wesley said. And I love this story. Um, There's a man named Smith Wigglesworth. He was one of my heroes. I love reading about him. And, and he was a soul winner at heart. He, yes, he healed the sick and he raised the dead, but he, he said time and time again that he would rather see one person saved than 100,000 healed. He was a soul winner. He had prayed, God, use me. And one day he's, he's just going about his normal day's life and, and, he, and he gets to the spot and the Holy Spirit says, I want you to stay right here. There's someone I want you to talk to. And so he stands in this exact spot on his way home and he's standing there and 15 minutes go by and he's, what, yeah, okay. 30 minutes go by, 45 minutes go by, an hour goes by. And he's like, Jesus, did I really hear your voice? Did you ask me to stay here? He said, yes, stay here. Can you believe this man's faith? Like I would have given up after 10 minutes, but an hour and a half goes by. Two hours has gone by and he's standing in this spot when he's meant to be going home after work. And then all of a sudden this man came and Jesus says, that's the man I want you to go talk to. And he walks over, I think he was in a horse carriage and shared to this man about Jesus Christ. And he, he wept in conviction. He gave his heart to Jesus and that was it. God said, all right, you can go home now, Smith Wigglesworth. He goes home. What happens is about two weeks later, I, 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 I hope I'm quoting it right, Smith Wigglesworth's mum reached out to him and he said, I don't know if you heard this, but somebody actually passed away um, in the town. And, and long story short, he made the connection. And that man that he shared the gospel with actually ended up dying seven days later. And I, it just blows my mind that when we pray God can, to use me and we're willing to be obedient to the Holy Spirit, we have to know that every day in our life, there are thousands of people we come across that are on God's heart. And God shows to use Smith Wigglesworth that day and that moment probably secured his eternity in heaven where he was going to be going somewhere else. We need to give God permission if we want to be a soul winner. Lord, you can use me. In my life, this just looks like a real quick prayer in my quiet time. I slow down and I just say, Holy Spirit, today I give you permission to use me. And what you will find, friend, as you pray that prayer and you mean it in your heart, God will take your life and He will. you will find doors just start opening. Opportunities come out of nowhere and you will find many people will come to Christ for your life. Amen? Amen. And number two, Pray for specific people, specific people. I believe there is so much power in praying for specific people. Just go and ask Pastor Kathy Clancy, who prayed for her brother for over two decades. Is that correct? And a, a few years ago, uh, he gave his life to Christ after Pastor Kathy was praying for 20 years and did not give up. Can we honor Pastor Kathy? That inspires me. <laughs> Come on, specific prayer moves the heart of God. And I, I am convicted of this, that the most powerful thing you and I can do for our unsaved friends and family is to pray for them. Because it's not you and I who save them, it is Jesus Christ who saves them. And as we pray, Father, let your will be done in my son, in my brother, in my friend, in my work colleague. Jesus is moving and we can't see it at first, but He's sending forth angels. He's surrounding them 
them with godly people. He's softening their heart as they're asleep. And then the moment comes and, and the harvest is ripe and they give their life to Christ. And I just really want to encourage everyone, on your seat, you'll find this prayer card. I cannot encourage you enough. Please, please, please take this home. Don't fill it out now. Take it home and just begin to fill names of people in your life and your heart. And I love this because you can turn it around and it'll give you what to pray for. Five key things we can pray for our unsafe friends and family. So together, let's get that burden again to pray. God, use me to be a soul winner. And Lord, I pray for those specific people by name every day. Amen. Amen. Number two is to be Christ's ambassador. Be Christ's ambassador. Uh, turn with me to 2 Corinthians 5:20 20 to 21. This scripture blows my mind. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Wow. God wants to use you and me as his ambassador, as his representative to the people we meet in our everyday lives. It's just, it blows my mind. What a privilege. And I just want to encourage two areas. Number one is to live by example. Be Christ-like. I love that thought that remember those bands back in the 90s, what would Jesus do? Every day when we come to work, see Christianity isn't meant to be just for our Sundays. We come to church, we tick the box, we go home and then we live life like normal. No, Jesus wants to partner with us every day that we're transformed from the inside out that then affects every area of our life. And in, when it comes to this, I love this, that just being Christ-like in our workplaces. And something I have discovered on my journey is our work colleagues, our friends and family, they are always actually watching us. They are watching. They are noticing how you respond to pressure. They are noticing how you honor your boss when no one else is around. They are noticing how you honor your wife and your husband. And when everyone else is slandering their spouse, you're honoring them. They, they notice that you don't swear, that you don't get drunk, that you don't uh, sleep around. They're noticing. And even though they might pay you out, I have found that deep down, they are hoping with all their heart that you make it. They are hoping with all their heart that you will stand strong to your convictions because the world is desperately looking for joy, hope, and peace. Why do you think people are drinking themselves to oblivion? They're just trying to find peace. Why are people taking all kinds of drugs that, that have such negative health effects? They're desperately looking for hope. They're looking, the world is looking, and you and I have the answer living on the inside of us. Let's not hide it. Let's live it. We have the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, do not hide your lamp and put it under a basket. Let's not hide what God is doing in us, but let Him live through us. So as you wake up tomorrow, the alarm goes off, you're going to work. Don't just go to get paid. Go on mission and partner with Jesus. I'm going to influence my workplace for Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Number two, be kind and generous. Once again, we're talking about just being a Christian. Be kind, be generous. I love this quote. Every day we share the gospel, but every now and then we use our words. Isn't that powerful? Every day. We share the gospel, but every now and then we use our words. We are representing Jesus. And I love that the Bible tells us 
that the goodness of God is what leads people to repentance. It's not the judgment of God. It's not the Facebook argument, you telling people how they're sinful. It's not that, no, no, it's actually the goodness of Jesus Christ that will lead a heart to repent. And you and I can be that representative of the goodness of God. And that can be summed up in one word, and it is love. It is love. Love speaks louder than words. Love breaks down walls. Love softens hearts. We can be a vessel of the love of Jesus Christ into people's lives because people often meet a Christian before they meet Jesus. And that can be a good thing or that can be a bad thing. It's up to you and me and how we treat people. So let's be people who are kind who are generous, who shout the coffee, who, who uh, encourage people, who honour their boss, who, who love people when they need it. And what I love about Jesus is, is the Bible in, in a gospel summed him up. He was a man full of unfailing love and of compassion. I wonder if I asked somebody in my workplace, how would you summarise Dan Frecker? My hope would be that they would say he is a loving man who is full of unfailing love and compassion. What would your work colleagues say about you? What would your university friends say about you? Let's be a representation of Jesus together. Amen? Amen. And number three, we've been praying for our friends and family. We've been praying for God to use us. We've been Christ's ambassador. And then there comes a time where it's to go the bold. Don't you just love that word bold? Come on, everyone say bold. Bold. I have found in my life, whenever I am, uh, uh, when I feel the Holy Spirit, I feel boldness rising in my bones, baby. The Holy Spirit lives on the other side of our boldness. And there comes a time where it says, all right, now is the time to go the bold, to share my story or invite them to church. And I have countless stories where I have been praying for someone, a work colleague, and I've been doing everything I've been talking about, but I just haven't felt to invite them yet. And one day, you, it's just, a normal day like every other day and God says now's the time and when we feel that discernment on the inside I I promise you it requires boldness see all of us feel nervous in those moments if you feel nervous welcome to humanity I I do too every time I feel sick and I'm like oh this is hard but what I love is that maybe just maybe on the other side of your boldness will be someone's eternity. When we get to heaven, we will not regret the moments we looked like a fool. We will not regret the moments people laughed at us. We will regret the moments we weren't obedient and were bold in our faith to see heaven full and hell empty. Amen. I'd love to invite the band up. If you will be willing, if you will be willing for God to use you, He will use you. He's willing to use you. And I love these three thoughts I've shared today, that we can, that God has called us to be soul winners. We can pray, we can be Christ's ambassadors, and we can go the bold. And I just want to encourage us, we have some great things coming up. We have a, a series launched in, Oct- in October called Help Me, I'm Blank. And we have designed this so we can invite our unsafe friends and family who struggle with anxiety, with stress, with disappointment. And we also have um, the Polar Express guy coming, which is going to be phenomenal. Uh, a world record holder. Um, he is incredible. Jeff Wilson is coming in uh, October, I believe. So um, let's really be praying. Lord, who are those ones in my life that you want me to go the bold and invite to a church service? Just here as we am, this boy 
He had five pieces of bread. He had two loaves of fish. And he gave Jesus everything. See, I don't think when it comes to us, it doesn't matter what we have in our hand. This isn't a, you know, it doesn't matter how gifted we are. It doesn't matter how qualified we feel. It doesn't matter what we've done in our past. It doesn't matter what qualification you have. Jesus actually, I believe, doesn't really care about that. What he does care about though, is the position of our heart. Are you and I willing to be like that boy and just go, Lord, here I am. Jesus, this is in my hand and I'm willing to give you everything. Are we willing to come back to the altar when our heart has wandered astray? See, I have found this isn't a moment, it's an everyday thing. I can have a moment saying, Jesus, I give you everything, but the next day I can fall short again. But there needs to be a commitment in our hearts. See, Jesus doesn't look for perfection. Jesus looks at our heart. Am I willing to come and rebuild that altar? and go, Lord, I am yours. I am yours. Everything I am is yours. Just want to read one last passage of Scripture. In Mark 10, verse 20, there's a man. It's one of the saddest stories in the New Testament. It was a rich young ruler, and he said, Jesus, what do I need to do to have eternal life? And the Lord replied to him, He went through the Ten Commandments. You shall not steal, you shall not murder, you shall not have adultery. And we read on in Mark 10 verse 20. Teacher, the man replied, I have obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Looking at this man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. I feel that love for you tonight here, friend. Jesus is looking on you with genuine love. There is still one thing you haven't done. He told him, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor. See, this isn't a story about money. This wasn't about money at all. What was this about? This was about an area of his heart he hadn't given and trusted to Jesus. See, for some it might be money. For others, it's something else. What's that doing? He's saying, hey, Jesus, here is my four loaves of bread and my two fish, but this one I'm not giving you. And it's almost like this. It's like we come to Jesus and we say, Lord, I give you everything. But I'm, and He's like, what's that behind your back? And it can be things like the movies I watch. I'm not willing to not watch that movie, Jesus. So Lord, here I am, I'm yours. And He goes, what's that behind your back? It's your purity. I'm not willing to give up sleeping with that person, looking at that. What's that behind your back? He might ask, it could be money. It can be so many things. It can be pride. It can be popularity. It can be people, how we treat people. But we need to be giving everything to Jesus. Lord, I don't just give you four loaves. I give you everything, Lord. And what I have found, friend, is as we give Him everything, we think it's going to be a sacrifice and that life will be miserable, but it's the absolute opposite because He takes it and there is tremendous blessing in our yes. And He takes all we give Him and and He takes us and He uses us to make such a difference in the lives of many people, just like He used this young boy. I just want to invite us all to stand in this moment. In a moment, I, the worship team are just going to lead us in a, in a, a bit of a worship set and we're going to sing the, to the Lord together. But I just wanted to give everyone in this place an opportunity tonight. This is between you and the Lord. It's between your heart and Him. But if you are here today and you are saying, Lord, everything I am, all I am, Jesus, I come and I give to you. It might be the first time you're doing this. It might be the hundredth. 
I want everyone who feels like that in a moment, I just want you to come down on this altar as we worship. Once again, this is you showing God, not man, saying, Lord, I am here. For some of us, we will rebuild the altar. And what I find in moments like this is Jesus often will poke on something in my heart. He will poke on something that I'm hiding within me, saying, Lord, I don't want to give you that again. But as He does, friend, I encourage you today, do business with God. Bring it to the feet of Jesus and just let that flow. So right now, why don't we all just close our eyes? And if that's you, if you want to say, Lord, here I am. Here I am, all of me, Jesus. Here I am with my five breads of fish and my two uh, pieces of fish, Lord. Here I am. I am yours. I lay my life down for you. If that's you right now, just come and fill the altar. Come and fill the altar. Why don't you show your Saviour? Why don't you show your Lord? Jesus, I am all yours. Whether for the first time or the hundredth, just come and fill the altar. Altar, if that's you, to you. sing with me. Guys, it's been such a privilege tonight to share. And I just want you to know I love you. I love doing the journey with you. And together, let's be brilliant disciple makers. Let's commit our hearts to be all in for Jesus and to see souls one. And one day you and I will get to heaven. And we will see the fruit of the decision you've made tonight to go all in. And that fruit isn't things, it is people. And that is worth fighting for, friends. I love you so much.